Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm. Welcome to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler, and thank you for showing up this episode. Uh, On this episode, we have narcissist abuse survivor David. We'll be doing an interview with him. But before we uh, get to that, I have a little bit of a, a trigger warning And this little note, as I will be saying every episode now, uh, a narcissist is a person who exhibits narcissistic traits and or a a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors, regardless of whether they meet the diagnostic criterion or have a formal diagnosis. A person may be referred to as a narcissist on this episode, uh, even if it is more likely they have another cluster B personality disorder, such as borderline personality disorder, histronic uh, personality disorder, or antisocial personality disorder, so as long as they exhibit narcissistic traits or behaviors. And now with that out of the way, uh, this episode I speak to uh, David and David was uh, raised by a narcissist and he lived in a abusive household, mental, physical, uh, abusive uh, household. Uh, there's also a trigger warning uh, in this episode, uh, even though it didn't occur in his household and nothing to do with, it, with his family specifically, that there is a uh, element of sexual abuse that is discussed uh, in this episode. It's, it's very brief. Um, and David has lived a very difficult life. And when we discuss narcissism and a lot of people hear our episodes about relationships with narcissists and the aftermath of of what has occurred and uh, wondering if everything was real. And in this situation with David, who was raised by a narcissist, um, someone who's physically and mentally abusive, uh, the offshoots that have occurred to him later on in life, as far as, uh, knowing who he is as a person and, and trust and the m- mental health disorders that uh, can occur after the fact, uh, dealing with his own narcissistic tendencies um, and offshoots that have created uh, with, uh, board, uh, I guess it's borderline personality disorder uh, himself. Um, it's not been a very easy life uh, for him. It's a, a very interesting conversation. It starts off, uh, you know, him telling a story and eventually we get into uh, parts where I, I get a little surprised where I start to r- fully understand. Uh, for, for a while during this conversation, I thought I was understanding his life. But then when I, I fully understand it and you, I realize how difficult uh, his life uh, has been, um, you, you really do get a sense of appreciation uh, for how far David has come and for how aware he's been with everything that he's doing and how hard he's trying. A lot of people in his position will not, would not be standing today. Um, and uh, he's uh, fighting uh, to, to create a life for himself. And he's a, it's a very brave story. 
and he, uh, he should be proud of himself for how far he's come and how much he's been able to accomplish. And uh, now, without further ado, I am going to uh, play you uh, David's interview. So thank you for everyone listening. On the line with me, I have David. How are you? I'm very well, Chad. Thank you. So uh, you were uh, raised in a narcissistic uh, household, an abusive household, um, and I know a little bit of your background, and right now I'm going to give you the floor, and then I, I know we're going to have a interesting conversation uh, after the fact because we'll also talk about... Uh, uh, mental illness uh, and uh, offshoots of uh, abuse of what happens to you when you were raised in these situations. So uh, thank you for sharing your story today. And without further ado, uh, the floor is yours. Okay. So where to start? Yes, I, I was brought up in an abusive childhood uh, household. I was an only child. Actually, I do have a half sister who's about 15 years older than me. Mm-hmm. But when I was 13, she had called my, my house when my father was there, and he picked up in front of me, and he disowned her. He said, don't ever call back here again. So for years, he was saying that she was this gold digger, just after money and whatever. From, it was um, a daughter from his first marriage when he immigrated to Canada. He was from, uh, it's now called Belarus. He was in the... At the, at the time of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of trauma there. I could understand it after the fact. Um, but finding out later that, you know, both my parents were like, yeah, she's a gold digger. She's living in Hampstead, which is a rich area here in Montreal. Uh, and she's gold digging or whatever. So they kind of made me believe that and not to ever talk to her or whatever. And, Decades after the fact, I found out my mother never met her. My father never even met her because I, I, I ended up meeting her once uh, 11 years ago, and she never met him. He had left his first, uh, his first wife before she, before she was born, uh, before his daughter was born. Mm-hmm. And she had told me that her mother had to change her name I have a very particular last name and she had to change it uh, because she was afraid that my father was going to murder her. So it was pretty intense. And it's the irony of it is that my father reminds me of Hitler. He's this short, skinny, effeminate guy, Mm -hmm. but he's very diabolical. But when he has this persona of being very polite, more than just Canadian polite, but I mean, really polite. Uh, but at home, very controlling and very violent up to the point when I was 13. And then the gym was my best friend. Um, I became very big and muscular. And so my mother was also very big. And so it fueled his little playing the victim type uh, personality. Um, My father would call the police uh, even after uh, abusing me, he would call the police and say um, that I was the instigator and I learned not to talk. 
I never talked when the police was there. My mother was very verbally abusive to the police. It was a whole, um, can I swear, shit show? Shit show. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but he would cut, it was kind of a pattern week on week for uh, decades. Um, and I learned not to talk. My father once tried to get me into a, um, like a social worker to help me. Mm-hmm. And my father would always say that my mother is mentally unstable. So these are things that I believed. Um, I, I still believe it because my mother did have, she had a stroke when she had me. So I saw my mother as having a, a mentality of a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't comprehend until after the fact, uh, both my parents died uh, a few years ago. They were old. Mm-hmm. My father was 98. Um, is that my father was really, like the whole, you know, PTSD of, of, uh, of being in the Holocaust, you know, is just what it does to you. And um, I see some of my tra- uh, his traits in me, which I'm not too proud of. But, um, yeah, so it was like that for uh, years years that the police would come neighbors would be like why are the police at your house all the time um my father was known for uh when i was younger for running after neighbors who would come close to the place Mm -hmm. to our house with a rake he was known as very protective very uh, i don't know what the word is i wouldn't say violent but he made it he made it so that his his temper no his temper was like so crazy that uh, no one wanted to even though he might not have done anything he, no one wanted to see it. Uh, yeah, I don't even think it was temper because he never because the thing is all the violent stuff was in the house. Mm-hmm. But when you leave the house, it's a it's a dual personalities. When you leave the house, nothing is said. You're nice. Everything's nice and. My father had to show that he had control of me, mm-hmm. that everything was nice, like leave it to Beaver, you know what I mean? Um, but when someone came close to the, like, tried to step on the lawn or whatever, he'd come after with a rake. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a control, a control thing, you know, not a violent temper thing, but a control thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I, I was brought up uh, overprotective, which is completely ironic considering he was the one abusing me. Like I was so overprotected that my father would go and take care of things. He would save me all the time. Okay. Like I remember uh, one time in summer camp, this girl was bothering me. I came home. He went over to the camp counselors in the head mm-hmm. and they were like, this man's fucking crazy. <laughs> okay. The way he went off on them. Mm-hmm. He, he, like, he, that's what I learned. Like, I learned to not, I didn't, I didn't learn, first of all, violence is all I, I grew up with. So I didn't learn how to mediate taking care of situations, like, before exploding. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, I would, I would take care of things like that. Like, someone eventually, you know, would bother me after a while. I remember once I was on the diving team, and when the younger, um, uh, teammates would be like, you know, make fun of me, say, oh, he's gay, he's gay, he's gay, and all that stuff. And for, for months, and I'm very patient. And then one time I just 
couldn't take it anymore. I, and I just lifted him up by his feet and I put his head in the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And he never did anything again. So I didn't. And then I got a validation from my coach saying he deserved it. So it's like, this is what I learned that, you know, you be big and violent and take care of it. And then no one will touch you again. Mm-hmm. And not, and that's not an adult way um, to do things, but that's how my father took care of things. So you, so you, went, you um, were taking <clears throat> on some of his behavior and did that scare you at the time or no? Um, no, it didn't, it didn't scare me at the time. I didn't, I wasn't, Aware. Mm-hmm. Um, my, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I got, I got it now. Okay. Um, because I guess genetics that I, you know, I became bigger and more muscular and just something I saw in my, in the incongruence of my parents upbringing me, like they would set rules and then they wouldn't, go through with it. Like my father, it wasn't about rules with my father. It was just, it was all like emotional. Like for years he would say, you can't have a pet in here. You can't bring a cat. And so I became very rebellious. I bought, I brought a cat in and then he started taking care of it. And then I said, okay, fuck it. You could have it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that kind of dynamic. But from grade five, I started getting more and more rebellious at home. Like I was really, it became almost like a a match after a while, especially since I was getting bigger and bigger. Um, but he, the, he, 13 was the last time he put his hands on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to go to the hospital, children's hospital. And one time I went to a, a group home. Like he would send me to these places to teach me a lesson. Um, and he'd be like, you're the one who's violent on me. You're the one who's violent on me, you know? And so I thought that. Um, and then even when I was 21, it, there was never any more violence, but it was always a, a game of who, like if I didn't do anything that my father appreciated, he would call the cops. Mm-hmm. So then I would unplug the phone and he'd go out and find another way to call the cops. So then he created a relationship with a police officer. And because I don't talk my, I don't say my situation, um, he had me arrested for a misdemeanor assault, even though I didn't do anything, but because I didn't say my, say anything. And this is what I learned not to speak my mind, not to, to, to say anything that that's, that was my fate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I would allow myself to get into these situations um, that he would, um, do, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't know, I didn't know boundaries. I didn't know, I didn't have any self-worth, um, on the, on the same thing of self-worth when I was 13 or 14, um, the one time that someone was allowed in the house, cause he wouldn't allow anyone in the house. I wasn't allowed to have friends at the house. Um, my parents slept in separate bedrooms so I learned to be very isolated and not, to, not learn how to make friends. And so I had a scoutmaster. Um, at the time, he, um, basically he, he molested me, but I didn't think anything of it because I thought 
knowing now, I think he replaced my father. Mm-hmm. He was the only one treating me like a father. He was grooming me for like well over a year because his adopted son was on the same swim team as me. So every weekend he would come to see, I guess, his adopted son, but he would come and wash my back in the showers. It was a group shower, mm-hmm. but it didn't bother me. I was like, okay, I, I guess I had a father. I had someone who cared about me. Um, until one time we went to this um, camp, you know, sleepaway camp for a weekend, and that's where he, he put his hand in my pants, and that was the only time he did it. Now, the thing that happened is when he came to, to my house to sign me up for the next year of scouts, <clears throat> because of something that my father didn't agree with that I did, he said, you're not going to scouts again to punish me. Mm-hmm. And the scoutmaster never said anything. And that was that. Basically, inadvertently, he saved me from years of molestation from the scoutmaster. Mm-hmm. And now knowing why the Scott Master didn't say anything, because he thought I said something, which I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I didn't say anything until he got arrested. Uh, he was 65, and it was, a fir- it was his first offense. Um, so he didn't do any jail time. But I was kind of funny in that sense. And how I never had any hatred towards that, I think that and being abused at home, thinking that that was what I deserved that that was my normal, you know, I was, I was, uh, it was okay if people took care, uh, advantage of me sexually. It was okay if people, uh, abused me and it, it still goes on. Um, it doesn't help now because of what I do as a, for a living as a fitness trainer that I have to look somewhat, uh, in shape and somewhat, uh, appealing so it kind of gets intertwined in my personality. So that's kind of what I'm working on with my therapist, because what is my personality? Who, who am I? You know, it's, everything's intertwined. Mm-hmm. So. so now you are uh, at a point in your life, uh, what happened? Uh, I'm, I assume something happened along the way where, uh, your, the way, the way you were coping in life and your protective, uh, mechanisms that you were, uh, using, uh, eventually they stopped working, um, and something, uh, patterns occurred and you recognize them or, uh, it did an event, yeah, an event, yeah. event happen. There was a few events. There mm-hmm. was a, a big event in 2014, 2015, uh, where I dated a guy in LA and I moved to LA and we were supposed to get married and all this stuff. Um, and it didn't happen. And, but that was the first time that I actually went to therapy there cause he wanted me uh, to go to therapy and he kept saying he was going to therapy. Um, and I wanted to reproduce that when I got home, but that was my first uh, you know, why would I go? Like I was, I, I kept saying things in my head, but it was like, why would I um, attract people like that, that kind of try to seduce me with, uh, I guess you can call it love bombing or whatever. Um, and I already don't 
trust people now. Like if people uh, compliment me, I, I've never been able to take a compliment mm-hmm. for for as long as uh, as long as I could remember. And now I'm much more aware that if someone is going at it full force saying how much, oh, you're a great person, you're this, you're that, and they don't know me, I know right away they don't know me and there's something, there's something up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started with this uh, L.A. trauma, having to come home, and then I went to many little uh, recovery groups that I can find that were free. There was a off, um, an off version of recovery international which is kind of like a i won't say a 12-step program but it's 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 worldwide and it's based off of this doctor in chicago who put together this program and it's not therapists it's just like a group meeting and you deal with ways to deal with your anxiety techniques to cope Mm -hmm. i outgrew uh the off the one-off class, which was uh, one of the participants who started her own. Uh, and then I outgrew the actual Recovery International because I felt people were, <clears throat> they weren't progressing. A lot of people would go to these groups and just complain. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing that for decades. So I saw that and I'm like, this isn't what I want. So then I went to another recovery group. Uh, well, actually it was a, um, it's a program here where you can become a relationship therapist. But the first year, is where you work on your own problems. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to become a therapist, but I wanted that one year where I worked on my own stuff. So that helped a lot, but then I outgrew that. Um, I didn't finish that. I was like, no, this is, this is it. I'm not making relationships. I don't feel comfortable. And I think I've done all I can, but I still kept the therapist there. Um, even after like a year and a half after the fact, mm-hmm. it's a type of therapy where you're not guided. You're just, there to come up with your own direction. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, uh, what happened there, there's this one guy I've been dating off and on for like 25 years, let's say. And it's, it's, and I couldn't shake it. You know, every time everything, uh, we wouldn't talk for like a year or so. And then I'd come back or he would give me silent treatment. It was like, abusive both ways, you mm-hmm. know, and what, what stopped, what, um, ended it officially there was, um, when I had bought my businesses last year, a year and a half ago, and the time that I was doing this relationship therapy thing and being with that therapist, um, I was really anxious and, um, I got, a, a pneumonia and I had to get myself to the emergency because I didn't have a doctor. And um, I got an indication from this guy. He thinks he was helping me because he's a nurse. But I, f- I feel I was abandoned. Mm-hmm. And um, so then that was one time I had uh, suicidal, more suicidal ideation. And then the final straw that got me into the psychologist was uh, this winter was after finally getting rid of the businesses or trying to realizing that uh, the, I would be losing a lot of money, which was basically when my father died, it was some inheritance. That's how he loved me was with some money. Mm-hmm. So he left a significant amount to be able to 
start businesses, but um, it's I learned a big lesson with these businesses, like not getting a lawyer, letting myself get carried away with the people negotiating. There were a lot of mistakes, um, and I paid for it. Hmm. And um, there's a lot of stories of people who own franchises and stuff, and it goes bad, and then they kill themselves. I was kind of like in that situation, like, what's the point now? I don't have any family. I don't have friends. And no one would notice that I would be gone. Mm -hmm. And so the only person I could tell this to was that human relationship therapist. And she's like, finally, she said, like, you got to go to emergency. So I did that. And then they, they questioned me. And then they immediately gave me a psychologist. And I was like, that's all I had to do. <laughs> so now I'm with a psychologist. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. So Throughout the whole time, I've been. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no. So, so oh, no, you, you continue. You continue. I'll ask my question after. I don't want you to lose your train of thought. Right. Well, throughout the whole time, I've been trying to learn about uh, all these psychological issues, you know. Um, but what was pointed out by the psych- psychologist, and it made sense. Like sometimes I can't really know who I am. And that was, that's kind of what we're trying to, to pinpoint, you know, to even go with what I, what my core values are. I mean, I know them when they come up because when something, when I'm anxious, it's because I'm being kind of feeling pressure to do something that isn't with my values, but to come up with them, I can't. So, so when but you when you, when you say you don't know who you are, uh, do you and your therapist or your your psychologist? Uh, that is because you were never allowed to be yourself. You were never allowed to be the uh, anyone but what you were told to be. Um, I'm not sure, but I do know that I have this. I have this image that I portray, mm-hmm. and. It seems, it seems to be that. Now, whether that is narcissism or borderline, it's so intertwined, you know, also questioning, like, if I'm looking too externally on my self-esteem as opposed to internally. It wasn't like this for the longest time. Like, when it, it, it went several years being good because I was on a roll with what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. It then took some, it takes just some things to kind of halt you. You know what I mean? So, so, so your psychologist uh, thinks that you uh, possibly have borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder? Well, co- comorbid. A, co- so, kind so of a combination together. of both. So what, what were yeah, the, cause what, a lot of the cluster Bs are, are, are kind of intertwined. Yeah. So, so what were the, uh, like, uh, what were character traits that you were, uh, that you were acting out on that uh, have her or him? Um... Um, well, not, not a strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um, emotional dysregulation, like I, as opposed to bipolar, throughout the day, depending on what happens, like let's say there's 20 different things that happen in the day, each of them can change my mood 
in a different way, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm not, I'm not stable or stable with that, or I wasn't aware that that was it. Um, and with the narcissism, it's more, um, if I always need people to validate me, to keep me, ha- you know, happy. And when it's, when it's not, when I don't get it, that I feel deflated. Mm-hmm. Now, but now we're, we're trying to s- figure out where, which is what, that's where we're at right now. We're coming through some <clears throat> things uh, the the main thing is for me to realize what my what my values are, what I want to do, what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that will help um, secure a better sense of self mm-hmm. when dealing with, let's say, I want to get into a relationship or be in a relationship with someone because this is what always happened, that I would always take whatever comes my way. Mm-hmm. Everything. And it ended up with the businesses, you know? I let them take care, uh, the, the brokers take care of it when I should have been more in charge and, and set the pace. But I rationalized it to myself that I'm observing and I'm learning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I paid dearly for it. I don't regret it because it's a, it's, I think for me, that's my ultimate lesson. That's like hitting rock bottom for most people. It was my ultimate lesson. If I didn't learn anything from that, then there's no, there's, there's nothing. Everything else seems very minor compared to that. Now that I'm getting, um, yeah, stronger. So, so I guess the lesson is uh, in this sense, um, making mistakes is okay. And you're learning from your lesson, learning from your mistakes is, is the biggest thing. Uh, that's how you grow as a person. Well, that was a huge mistake, mm-hmm. but the less, the, the, the lesson I learned is um, if someone is sweet-talking me, even a broker, mm-hmm. I could set my boundaries. If I, let's say I, give a, I had to give a $10,000 deposit, mm-hmm. then I could have lost that. It's like, when someone, okay, it's like when someone gets into a marriage and they're like, oh, I can't get out of the marriage. I have, even if they have cold feet, I've gone this far. I got to keep going. Mm-hmm. What I learned is 10,000 versus several hundred thousand lost. I could just step step and say, no, I'm not down with this. Mm-hmm. Keep the 10,000, go fuck yourself. Bye-bye. This is, gonna, this is how I want it. And I didn't do that because I didn't want the, 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 the clap back, the, the confrontation, because it's like when I grew up, if I lost a dollar, for um, which I did, to buy my father's newspaper, he would beat the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And I, so I didn't want conflict. I didn't want any of that. I wanted everything nice, you know, and it's nice, but they're fucking me over. Mm-hmm. And I kind of let them, you know, so that's, that's what I learned. But you're, it doesn't seem that you're, <clears throat> as far as narcissistic personality disorder, it doesn't seem like you're being um, mean or, or mean-spirited or evil or angry uh, at other people. It still just seems like you seem to be taking being taken advantage of. Yeah, well, that well, that's the thing with. I mean, I, as I learned, narcissism is uh, well because narcissistic personality disorder is you have to meet nine. Uh, um, was it 
five out of the nine criteria. Mm-hmm. That's like a small percentage compared to people who have narcissistic traits, which is mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know. Well, um, every, everyone, everyone has narcissistic traits. Um, yeah. But then there's the disorder. So you're not, you're not in the personality disorder. You're more of like uh, narcissistic uh, traits. And I'm going to assume codependent traits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's more of the traits for me on borderline. Okay. Uh, that was more, you know, the, a lot of the, the traits that I have, you know, um, emotional dysregulation, a low sense of self, mm-hmm. um, suicidal ideation, you know, all those things were more me. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of, you know, narcissism. I mean, like people, I, if I'm dating someone um, who's bad for me, um, but then there's a sexual element involved, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, you don't know, it's hard to intertwine, um, which is what, you know, basically what I learned is I don't think, I mean, I said that's what I was, uh, quote unquote diagnosed, but the basics for me is to find out who I am, mm-hmm. my values yeah. and to deal with every situation and, assert my boundaries. If something is, isn't feeling right, then I have to assert it and make and, and deal with it and not, I tend to, um, uh, flee or avoid things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't still, I'm still doing it because there's still things I have to take care of with the money and the businesses. But like, I, I didn't check my mail for four months. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't answer the phone. Um, I'm starting now to kind of slowly get out of it, but can, there's things I still don't do. Can you, know? you can you explain? Because uh, this is uh, sometimes I don't uh, check my mail or I don't like answering my phone. Can you explain to me um, why well why why you don't do why it? Cause I do I, it? Cause, yeah, why you uh, why you it's do extremely that? it's extremely painful for me because I have to deal with something that is. Um, perceived as very painful, very traumatizing to me. I have to deal with someone telling me, uh, you did something wrong. Like, I guess kind of like reliving my father telling me you're, you're a piece of shit or whatever, you know? So it's kind of like injuring myself each time. So I try to avoid it. And I guess that's kind of what I learned in at home is as I went to my room, I stuck, I stuck to myself, you know, I became very, uh, introverted, mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that's my a uh, defense mechanism. If I, if someone is bothering me, if someone gets to me, I, I don't have a I don't have a midpoint where I, I started to do that over the past few years, where you bring it up and say, look, this is bothering me. I think we should talk about it before it gets worse. What I would do is I would hold it in, and avoid it, and eventually explode. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to think that was a, um, a Scorpio trait. Like I used to be more into horoscopes. But I'm over that now. It's more because of the, what, what I learned when I was younger, the defense mechanisms, you mm-hmm. know, uh, coping strategies. So I do that now also. But being aware of it helps. And knowing that at this high point where uh, lawsuits being threatened or government after you, whatever, this is the, for me, this is the worst that it could ever be. And Knowing that, okay, it's just money. If I don't have it and you're after me, 
that's it. It's like someone who goes bankrupt or someone who has creditors after them. Mm-hmm. You, everything out, you, you learn how to deal with it because you have, you know, you have to, you, you know. So. so, so you just didn't, you didn't have these skills beforehand of how to deal with any of this uh, because of I, I, be, to, be, to be responsible. In, in a certain sense. So, yeah. yeah. So, as I was talking, I, I think it was... Because my father would always save me. Like, at summer camp, he would, like, something would happen to me. He would come and save me. So, I didn't know what to do. So, yeah, as, as I pointed out in another podcast when I talked with uh, Jody Prouse, uh, you had a learned helplessness. Yes. Yes. Because I was overprotected. Yeah. Everything was shielded from me. And everything was, yeah... You had a learned helplessness, and within that learned helplessness, your self-esteem was uh, destroyed. So then uh, later on, it made ve- everything very difficult. So when things went wrong, I'm going to, uh, uh, when things went wrong, your coping skills uh, Are terrible. were terrible. <laughs> yeah. And when things are right, I'm, I'm, on, I'm like a machine. Yeah. But when things go wrong, you, you just crumble. And so yeah. all of these yeah. things have happened and now you're at a place. It doesn't look like it from the outside. It doesn't look like it. That's the, that's the irony of it. Everyone it looks at you look like, like, you, like you're, you'd be like a rock. I look stoic. Yeah. Cause visually I look stoic, but I'm avoiding and it takes me sometimes for a certain thing. It'll take me days or weeks before I even initiate it. Mm-hmm. It could be just a simple phone call. Well, it takes a lot of work uh, mentally to understand, like after everything you've been through, to yeah. understand that something is wrong. And then it takes a lot yeah. of mental capacity uh, with all of what happened to you to decide to do something about it. Um, yeah. And listening to your, like everything that you said so far, your awareness... Uh, during your processes, uh, like at the first programs you went to, to know that you've already outgrown those things that quickly and that all, like just even when you we were talking about how those people were all like there for 10 years and they were still complaining and they were still not uh, yeah. working on anything to, to, to see that and not sit there with them for another 10 years with them, that takes a lot of uh, awareness and ability. And you should be pretty proud that you were able to do that and get to this point of wanting to uh, fix your life and, and uh, improve. Well, I realize um, that I have a, I have a good sense of uh, introspection. Mm-hmm. I think the first time it was brought up to me was actually a social worker dealing with my father when my mother died. Um, she saw us interact together, and she said, and she mentioned that I had a good sense of introspection. I don't know if I adopted that from her saying that, <clears throat> but I, I part of me does think I, I, I'm, I'm kind of introspective in a certain way. So, was that because, yeah, that's is that of, because you, you were alone a lot uh, when you were uh, growing up? Like with, uh, I assume you might have been in your room. Um, yeah, well, in my room, um, well, from, I, I did a lot of um, individual sports mm-hmm. and weight training um, and uh, gymnastics. And then I got onto a diving team 
and skateboarding and a lot of stuff, but it was always individual stuff. Mm-hmm. My introspection, um, I don't know. Um, so how's your relationship with possibly, your... Like, possibly, I'm in, in my head a lot, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, how's so, your relationship yeah. with your clients? When I went to... Sorry. Is that separate no, well, from like, how you deal with uh, friends? No. Well, first of all, I don't have friends. Okay. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay with it at a time, and at a certain time, my clients were my friends. Mm-hmm. Everything was intertwined. Um, the clients that I had for the longest periods of time, like let's say 20 years, it was like a bad marriage. Um, and there was a lot... A lot of frustration in the way my, um, this was before, this was what's setting off me going to LA Mm -hmm. is that I was frustrated that things weren't progressing, uh, where I'm at, you know, I wanted to move it to another level, not just training clients, but running businesses. Mm -hmm. That was the, always the main goal. Um, so I dropped my clients and I moved to LA um, and then when I came back, I didn't want to start again like that. So I'm kind of transitioning more online. So that's where the Instagram page comes from and the YouTube channel. And now I have a Facebook, uh, with the same name, take back your life, MTL. Mm-hmm. Initially it's, I mean, basically I'm a fitness trainer. Um, but because that is very saturated online, it's always good to tie it up with something else that you're passionate about or that you're going to do every day. And I couldn't think of anything that I would beat myself up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the perfectionist in me. I don't have anything else that I'm interested in. But then, I, then in 2016, I decided to try to do an online diary, just uh, like <clears throat> YouTube. Like I would always try to edit for my first channel and it wouldn't get any views and stuff. And then I'm like, Okay, I have to do the YouTube channel. I'm just going to take the camera, talk to it, and upload it. Mm-hmm. Something I could do every day, like small steps. And even that, I, had to, I let it go for almost a year. But now, I'm on the right track. I've been able to add the Instagram page to it and the Facebook. So I'm building. I see, I see, I, I see that when you're building even an online community, it's one person at a time. Mm-hmm. So interacting. So now that I understand that, it's, for me, it's similar to making friends. It's not like you just build something and people will come. You have to invite them to come and maintain those relationships. Mm-hmm. That's how, how I see things. So this is how I'm teaching myself to, <clears throat> to build relationships the way, the way I can. Mm-hmm. And well, to, um, to, to build friendships or to build business relationships? Well, um, that's also what my therapist said, because uh, it's intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, I have built a couple of friendships, if you, or beginnings of friendships, I, uh, but I don't, have, I don't have it separated yet. Mm-hmm. So I'll be honest, I don't have it separated. But there, on the YouTube channel, there's this one person who's been with me for a while, and I'm starting to open up to her. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, there's positivity in that for myself. 
Um, but getting back to with clients, um, yeah, because it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but being as a trainer, you learn that you have to put on this this show that you <clears throat> uh, are the trainer. Mm-hmm. You follow, people follow the example. So that became, that didn't help. Like, on, if you don't feel like doing something, then you just do it. You know what I mean? So you have, to be, an, you have my... to be an extrovert in a way um, where you're naturally... Right, when, I'm not. When you're so naturally I'm playing a role. In, yeah, yeah, you're playing a role. Mm-hmm. Which is what I would force myself to do. I taught... Um, so, so One-on-one it, personal training is pretty easy, but mm-hmm. I taught group fitness for many years. And it took a lot of preparation to get up in front of 50 people, put on the, the show when you're teaching uh, group fitness. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't stay and talk with anyone. I'd have to leave. I kept this air of mystery, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't handle it afterwards. So, and also because I didn't want people to know who I was. Mm-hmm. You so, know, because they saw me as this uh, trainer, and that was it. And that's all I wanted. And that I remember the one, uh, the pivotal day that I remember that could have changed that was when I was in grade school. I remember having this uh, <clears throat> kind of dark sense of humor or warped, sarcastic sense of humor. And I think I let myself come out. And I, I remember getting. Uh, the feeling of rejection by classmates mm-hmm. and it never happened again. So I, I think that's added to me learning that, okay, in public, plus being at home, like you don't show your shit, you don't air your dirty laundry in public. Mm-hmm. That was a main factor. So everything that plus the school showed me to be a certain way in public and so it's in private, like, you know, turmoil. It's, it just sounds like you're afraid to be yourself. Right. Um, it, is what, it is what it is, which is why I don't mind using my name now. I'm trying to be as much myself as possible. Yeah, and because you've been rejected your whole life for trying to be yourself, you stopped being yourself or even repressed everything to the point where... Yeah. Okay, yeah, now I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so I understand very... that I'm not going to have everyone's not going to like me, but a couple people will like me, and that's that's more than I have for, to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's very very difficult. Like uh, that's a lot yeah. to deal with. Yeah. It's been a, so, it's a tough life. My both my parents they died alone, mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Like my because my parents were like 50 years older than me. Uh, they, sh- in my in my mind, they should have been dead. My father should have been dead after the Holocaust because he basically was on Valium for decades and he wasn't really living. Mm-hmm. He was just like he was existing, and that's what I learned my whole life. You know, not I don't want to be that. You know, so so what? Are, it's, what are, it's a battle. What are your next steps of uh, in, in your progress? In your, in your, in your, uh, you're not going to say it's treatment, but in your, uh, baby steps of what you're going to do. Um, well, I'm doing them now, uh, finding out what my core values are. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? And 
What's that? Do, what, do you have any core values that you've established so far or no? Well, I have a few that I've written down, you know, and I have a few more specific things. Like, it could be something as simple as um, I've, ha- I've had people on Instagram, my fitness Instagram site, you know, and even people dating that I try to date or talk with online. And they, um, a lot of people would, I, I feel like people would uh, kind of like, it's kind of like a job interview. So they're sending me pictures of themselves and naked pictures of themselves and they want me to do the same thing. And I say, I, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, something as simple as that, you know, cause it could be easy to just do that and get the other person's approval. But no, I don't do that. You want naked pictures? You could see me naked in person and that's it. And be firm with something like that. Um, is a big, is a big thing for me, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of my values. I won't, I won't do crap like that. Mm-hmm. You know, on my fitness Instagram, I have uh, some shirtless pics and, you know, a couple of selfies, but the whole thing is not just a whole selfie board and me, you know, naked showing any reason to show, show the body off. It's not, it's not me and it's not what I want to be either. And so that, that's a big thing to be firm with that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, although people will see me as a, a, a lot, no matter what they say, they might see me as just a sexual object. And I have to kind of, uh, you know, it was all from Scoutmaster mm-hmm. on, you know, that that was all I was worth being a, a, a sexual object, you know. Um, so it's a fight with that. That's my core value. I can be, but it's with the person I choose, not mm-hmm. everybody. You know what I mean? I do. I, well, and, I, uh, <clears throat> go ahead. I don't know. Like, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really, you have a lot of, uh, it's a tough, uh, life of everything you've dealt with in all of the, uh, offshoots now that are make your life difficult. Um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, you're, you're, you I mean, you're really doing, um, a lot of work and you, you should be proud of the work that you're, you're doing to get yourself back. Not a lot of people would be in your spot right now. Um, Thank you. you, you know, they would be, uh, they might've given up and you, and you didn't, and you should be proud of yourself. Yeah, well, I think um, for a lot of people, drugs are the are the ticket. You know, mm-hmm. that that's the one thing I thank my parents for is that I never got into the addiction of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, finding out later that my father was on Valium for decades—that's how he dealt with stuff. But he made a he made a fact that for me not to be on them, and I kind of like that. I never got into that that thing. So. Uh, I, although I do have other forms of escapism, which I realize, you know, a bit of food, a bit of masturbation, a bit of uh, avoiding completely procrastination, like those things. Mm-hmm. But I never got into the drugs. And I'm, that's one thing I thank my parents for. Because then with that, if, even coming back from that, I mean, in the field I'm in, it, it would have been very hard. Mm-hmm. 
and I wouldn't have, I would have, I would have lost brain cells. So I probably wouldn't have been able to analyze it as much as I do now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So in your, in your spare time, when you're, uh, by yourself, um, do you watch TV? I'm, I'm by myself a lot. Uh, yeah, but do, <laughs> I think that's the, that's the main <laughs> thing. It's like when I'm not in my when my spare time is when I'm not uh, when I'm with people. Like when I'm at the gym, mm-hmm. I make it a point to structure that in because I I need to be around people. Even though I'm not interacting a lot, mm-hmm. I'm interacting with some. And the gym I'm at, I know that that is not the best environment to make good relationships because narcissism is brooding there mm-hmm. but i do like it and that's part of my narcissism in a way i have to accept that and um i've tried to to branch out from there and start meeting more people that's also where i'm i'm at too um instagram has helped mm-hmm. a bit with that too I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there a hundred percent, but that's kind of where I'm trying to, to take it. So, so as far as other interests where other people would be around that aren't the gym, do you have, do you have any? Well, that's the thing. Um, I have a few interests and when I attempt them, they don't stick. So what, what are that's, those? that's been, um, Drawing, I started taking some drawing workshops mm-hmm. and a drawing class, and then I stopped it. Um, Why'd you stop? Well, because I still owned the businesses and it became overwhelming. Uh, okay. But I haven't gotten the momentum to start it. Did, did, but um, did you like it? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. I did. But then I realized, you know, it's, I have a tendency to spread myself out thinly mm-hmm. as it is. Um, and I like, um, I like bowling and I like, I actually like old time roller skating, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, where do you do that in Montreal? I, it, <clears throat> I don't, okay. I don't. Is, is, but is there a yeah. place in Montreal? Um, I think there's only like a roller derby. Okay. I did it once when I was in LA and I loved it and I wish they had it here, but no, but if they did, it would be something I, I'd like to do, mm-hmm. but I haven't, it's, it's right now I'm at the point, like what it's just like with my YouTube channel, I'm putting so much effort into the, um, take back your life, YouTube channel. Cause that's what I'm living now. It's, it seems to be, uh, the path of least resistance for me. Mm-hmm. So the gym is the path of least resistance for me. Um, I know I have to build to other interests, but it hasn't happened yet so but you want it to happen or no i do yeah. well i i want to be able to meet people and I, I i know that meeting someone who's good for me won't happen at my gym okay i know that so that that's actually something i was discussing uh with my therapist so um that's that's where i'm at mm-hmm. i don't want to i i it's difficult for me to actually, let's say if I want to go bowling, to go bowling for a few weeks just to meet people and then stop it. Mm-hmm. That would take a lot, a lot of work. I'd have to <clears throat> prepare to do that, you know. 
Yeah, I so, joined. I joined a. Uh, I wanted to meet people, so I joined a couple of years ago a co-ed soccer team. Um, okay. Just to get out there, none of these people were my were my friends. I thought I'd get into shape and at the same time uh, meet new people. And right, right. Uh, it was fun, you know. After I was actually a little bit older than everyone. I thought everyone. I thought people were going to be uh, my age. I chose the wrong. Uh, group, but you know, uh, okay. uh, everyone was fun and friendly. It got me socializing. It got me out there and exercising with people. Um, and it was, uh, it, it worked. It was a good time. And, uh, yeah. it was, it was a positive, uh, thing. Are any of them my friends? Uh, now there was, there was too much of an age gap. Um, okay. For for mm-hmm. me, but if I was to have found the right league of people, uh, my that age, would be easier. then it would, it would have been you know because after the game, these people were going uh, for beers and things like that, and that that was right, right, right. that was counterproductive uh, for what I was going yeah. out there for. Uh, but yeah. if they were my age, I, I would I would have hung out with them, and uh, you mm-hmm. know this summer I might do soccer is the easiest one to do because all you got to do is kick a ball and run. Um, right, right. But, you know, in the summer I might do... And then you got all the endorphins going, so you're more outgoing because of it, too. Uh, <laughs> it, was hard no? for, okay. it was hard for me to be outgoing because I okay. was in such bad shape that uh, every time I got mm, to yeah. the, the side, I was just like, someone, go. Um, uh, that I was just... Uh, I was, you know, at the end of the game, I was, I was pretty tired. But, uh, okay. you know, it, it really... It, it, it was... If I if I found the right uh, group, it would have been uh, it would have been perfect. Yeah. So I, well, on on that note, I had started um, a meetup group that I held for a few years, mm-hmm. uh, a walking meetup group. That was my attempt to meet people. Mm-hmm. That I would lead it. I thought, okay, if I'm leading something, it would be something that I can do because <clears throat> if I make it like it somehow makes me do it because I I, I put myself responsible for the, for the event. Mm -hmm. And I had to stop that because it wasn't, um, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And going back to the drawing, no one's sociable in a drawing class. I was going to say, I was going to say that. Uh, Everyone's introverted and, and, and dark. And, uh, and as soon as, as soon as class probably ended, everyone put their head down and like beelined it for the exit. Like don't talk. Yeah. 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 That's probably, why I didn't stay either because I did want to socialize and it it was difficult. So, and I've even been going to uh, Starbucks to try to do that too, at least to be around people who are sociable, Mm -hmm. but it didn't help either. So, um, the, the bowling is there, there could be a bowling league. There are, Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't have the answer for because I know it has to hit me. <clears throat> I know initially it's not going to hit me like like fitness does, and the reason the gym hits me like it, it's kind of a. T- uh, um, it, it stuck with me because I had used it as a coping mechanism when I was um, abused at home, mm-hmm. so it stuck with me for for my whole life. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And now I, it's changed into the health aspect, but it's like it, it it doesn't it doesn't go out of me. 
and, uh, and I know something needs to be ingrained like that for it to stick with me. But if it doesn't, I have to kind of force it. It's kind of like trying to rewire my brain <clears throat> with other activities. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, not, not there yet. Not there yet. So before we, uh, end, uh, our conversation, uh, is there anything for people that have uh, grown up in the same situ situation as you, um, that you want to give, I guess, some uh, advice to, uh, now that you're dealing with all of your issues and, and how to handle, uh, things uh, so far of what you've experienced? Oh, I always have a problem giving advice when it comes to things like this. Okay. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't have to. I could, I, the, the best thing I could do is uh, lead them to my YouTube page where they could see what I'm doing and I could maybe influence them with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't give advice because I think... You want to lead by example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's also why I'm a trainer too. It's part of who I am also. But... I wouldn't say you need to do this, you need to do that, because I don't know what's right mm -hmm. at the time. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's So your YouTube page is Take Back Your Life Montreal? Uh, no, the YouTube page is Take Back Your Life. Mm -hmm. uh, the Facebook page is Take Back Your Life MTL. Okay. And the Instagram page is Take Back Your Life MTL, but with underscores in between each word, because that's Instagram. Okay. Yeah, you can't have spaces in Instagram, so. All right. Well, thank you uh, for sharing your story today, David. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. I'm losing my voice, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's late already, uh, so it's time, both of us, to probably uh, head off to, to bed. Um, yes, I think yes. you're going to be doing your, your, some blog work. Um, but once again... Probably not, no. but <laughs> I'm going to wake up earlier to, to touch it. <laughs> right. I got to be honest with myself. I won't. I won't force myself to do it. So I know myself. So well, thank you. Once I'm okay with it. Thank you once again, and uh, we will keep in touch uh, through uh, Instagram. Okay, perfect. All thank right. you very much, Chad. Thanks. Have All a right. great. Have a great night. Okay, you too. So that was the story of David, and he has lived a very a difficult life. Um, as you can tell during it, when I, the, the light finally turned on, when I fi fully understood uh, how difficult his life has been and how he doesn't even know the things he likes. Um, it, it's, re it's really remarkable uh, that he's come so far and he's aware of everything and he's, and he's working hard at, uh, creating a life for himself. And for David, if you're listening, uh, I wish you all the best um, uh, going forward. And hopefully we'll be in touch with you again and maybe a follow-up podcast. So uh, besides that, uh, for everyone out there, uh, follow us uh, on or subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast, CastBox. Give us some nice reviews. Send us some emails. Tell your friends about us. If you uh, are a writer of any sort and have websites, uh, you write about us and uh, get the word out. Hopefully, we got some really nice emails this week. I should have read one, but I, uh, I will do that next week because we're going to do a mailbag episode 
uh, questions people had, more of advice. So I'll get to that on, on the next episode. But besides that, I hope everyone has a uh, you know a great night. And thank you for listening to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. 